If you have your Bibles, if you will turn to Luke chapter 1, Luke's first chapter, and we'll read a little bit more than we normally read, kind of walk through a good part uh, of the first chapter of Luke. It's a very uh, significant part, and I think it speaks with extraordinary power to men, especially fathers, grandfathers and such, this morning. In the time, beginning in verse 5, of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembly worshipers were praying outside. <clears throat> then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear your son and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along as well. <clears throat> the angel answered, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he was staying so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. <clears throat> they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord had done this for me, he, she said. In these days, he has shown me his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Long as this text is, as we read it for a morning like this, 
it is nonetheless extraordinary powerful. Notice verse 15. He shall be great in the eyes of the Lord. Can you imagine a greater joy? I was trying to envision or imagine how that must have felt to Zechariah that God himself reaches down and says, Zechariah, you will have a son and your son will be great in the eyes of the Lord or in my eyes. It's hard to even imagine what would have flooded Zechariah's soul in a moment like that. And when you look at the Gospels, Luke chose to begin his Gospel right here. Matthew begins his with a genealogy. Mark begins it with the baptism of Jesus. And then John takes us all the way back to creation. But Luke chose to show us how God in his wisdom joins times, the time that has been with the time that will be. And he does so through a father's impact on a son. Luke is the one who helps us see that he, or the one about whom Jesus says that among those born of a woman, no one is greater than him, that he is the one that God will use to connect the time that has been to the time that is to come. And fathers and everybody, if this doesn't speak to us in a time like this, I don't know what can. For 400 years, heaven had been silenced. No direct revelation from God to his people. The prophets had been silent. The Old Testament had come to its conclusion, if you will. The history now is ready to enter its final phase. The time when God no longer exclusively returned to a chosen people, but to all the world. God is ready to begin a brand new work. No longer is he just having a temple for his people. In his extraordinary grace, he is now going to create a people as his temple. And the introduction to all of this, the preparation, if you will, to this new that is to come begins right here with this man about whom God himself says, he shall be great in my eyes. It's hard to kind of overlook this. So as we look through this text, I want to kind of walk us through this section by section. That's one of the reasons I want us to read the whole 
that whole paragraph, if you will, of, of Luke's gospel. It talked about God's tool for greatness. It talked about God's description of greatness. And it talked about how God always engages and involves himself to enable greatness, if you will. Now, let's look at the text. Just the first verses here on God's tool for greatness from verses 12, uh, 5 to 12. And, and just look there, and, and I'm going to stay pretty close to this, out of a group of thousands upon thousands of priests, God chose Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, an older couple about whom it says, and you can see it right there, they were upright in the sight of God. That's the Bible's way of saying that it was God himself that considered them upright. Back then, as it ought to be today, people who are trusting the Lord ought to be zealous, eager to be found trustworthy, devoted, and honest in their relationship to God. And when it says about them they were upright in God's sight, it is simply an expression that God considered them righteous, but not only that, it says that it was their interest, that it was God that considered them upright. They had no particular interest that they would be found righteous in their fellow human beings' eyes. Their desire was not that they would be favored among their neighbors or friends or whomever. Their desire was that God will look at them and find them upright. Fathers, are you hearing this? Men, are you hearing this? And I could, of course, easily include all of us here, women too. This is said about, about both Zechariah and Elizabeth. But it keeps begging this question, what is most important in our lives? Is it what other people think about us, how we kind of play in our situations, so to speak? Now, it's obvious what the logical answer is. After all, we are in church, right? Yes? But what's the true answer? What's the true answer? What is it that deepest down motivate us to do and to say and to act the way we do. Is it our desire that God will look down and say, that's the one I can use? Or is it that we play cool and strong among those around us? I don't want you to misunderstand this. It doesn't say that Zechariah or Elizabeth, for that matter, were sinless before God. That's not the point. The point here is that the quality of their lives was such a carrot, if you will, that their striving, 
Their desire, their only ambition was that God in his grace would look at them and be pleased. That he would find in their faith a dedication and a surrender to him that was clear. You know, just like every skilled worker knows, to do a really good quality work, you need and want good tools. And so God looks down and he sees a Zechariah. Not that he was flawless or faultless, but he sees a dedication that was clear. You know, everything about these two were uh, special in many ways. Even their names expressed their dedication to God. Zechariah actually means God remembers or remembers his promises even. And, and Elizabeth means my God is faithful or he's an oath even. Throughout their lives, even as we have here, their long lives, they have tried to express the meaning of their names. Even in a time when you think about it, when everybody around them concluded that when you are without child, you are missing the blessings of God. God is looking someplace else. They never doubted God's faithless, faithfulness and his memory about them. This is pretty strong. When they remain so faithful in their prayers that the angel is able to say to them, even when they are way up in their years, Gabriel says to Zechariah, God has heard your prayer. It had not been buried. They had not given up on the fact that they realized God is faithful. And let me ask you, if you think that God's, God is looking for different qualities now than then, I think not. This goes back all the way from Abraham. You see this from generation to generation to generation. He says to Abraham, through your offspring, I will bless the whole world. You will have a son and you will impact him and he will have a son and he will impact him and he will have sons. They're going to be my people. And through that, the whole world will be impacted. Does that not stir your soul? Friends, can we read this without being so inspired that, whoa, how it works. And the text doesn't even stop just by Allowing us to see God's desire. It goes on to describe what greatness truly is. It, it's a very interesting thing to notice, I think, here, if you stay 
in the text. Right here, along with this description of the parents, and then the description of John becoming great in the eyes of God. You see several characteristics. First, his name is to be John. If you look at John, again, why, why did it matter what they call him? We call our kids whatever we want. And I'm not trying to say that we need to have special names for our children. But here in this particular context, it mattered because God wanted everything about John to point to what he was about to become. So his name means Lord is merciful. And when you think about this, then even the very mentioning of John's name reverberates to everyone around him who are clearly aware of that because that's what the name meant in that language, right? That he's pointing to the one who follows after him who's going to reveal that God will pour out his mercy upon all people. John was to become great. And now look what it says right here. Many will rejoice because of his birth. Verse 14, he will be a joy and a delight to you. Many will come to rejoice in his birth. Parents, dads, granddads, if there's anything that should characterize our prayers for our children, this is it. That God will use them in such a way that many people come to rejoice in their birth. That people are pointed to Christ through them. And can I speak to you as a church for a moment, friends? Church. Can we decide that right here in this place, in the center of Nacogdoches, to some extent, the center of this whole area, that right here in this church, our collective prayer is consistently and unwaveringly that we will pray with the parents that the children that grows up in this place may come to become men and women that will point to the Lord. Where people around will rejoice in their birth. Because, look at verse 16 again. Many of the people he will bring back to the Lord they're God. I get the chills just thinking about this. 
I can't tell you how many times I've read this text and had my own life and my own family in mind. Say, God, make me like that. If this was the only thing you ever prayed, friends, in your whole life, may it be this that not only for your child, but also for other people's children, that many will come to rejoice because of their birth, because their life and their testimony will point to the one who puts people in direct contact with God. And the text goes on. And it says a little bit more here on this very thing. He should be great in the eyes of God. And still verse 15, if you look here, he's never to take wine or other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. If you think about for a moment how little we sometimes spend talking about the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. How little sometimes, even in Bible studies, even in prayer groups, where that becomes the central focus. He is to be great in the eyes of God. He shall be filled with God's Spirit even from birth. The whole way through Scripture, these things are connected. They don't ever disconnect. There's a direct relationship, if you will, between the presence of God in someone's life and their ability to present other folks with who God is. The words were formulated a little bit different to the old prophet Jeremiah, but it's somewhat the same. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you to be a prophet unto the nations. It's the Old Testament. You will find that this sounded somewhat to the few, but in the new, this sounds to all of us. The whole beginning of the church begins in chapter 1, verse 8 of the book of Acts. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall have power and be my disciples. Ephesians 1, 5, verse 8, let yourselves be filled again and again with God's Spirit. In 1 Corinthians, no one can say Jesus is Lord unless empowered by God's Spirit. And Jesus says, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they've been born by water and Spirit. This is the collected testimony of our scriptures, friend, that he shall be great in the eyes of God and he shall be filled with God's spirit. Can I ask you this? 
Maybe I should ask it to Father since this is Father's Day, but it goes to all of us. How long has it been since you spent time, focused, deliberate time, seeking God for more of his power? How often are you engaging yourself in a service or ministry that require of you a hundred percent presence of God? You have to depend on God to do this. You're not doing the things just that you can do the back of your hand. But what require your constant dependency upon God. And when you do, are you bringing your children in to show them what it means to depend on God? We like to highlight that we have a declaration of independence, but friends, as a community of Christian people, we have a declaration of dependence. To God. Verse 17. The promise is very clear. I'll go in front of you in the spirit of Elijah. Turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. So that you can make ready a people prepared for the Lord. (laughs) Do we see how this runs from generation to generation? How we matter. We have such an emphasis on me and it's all about me or sometimes, well, we want to honor those who are before us. What about paying forward all the time? It is never, ever about you. It's always about those that you impact, right? So it was also for your parents. It was not about them. It's about those that they impacted, including you. Let's look to what God can do through us instead of just what we can benefit from his presence. This is powerful stuff. And so therefore we see, and I think that is the gospel. We see God's involvement in this greatness. He doesn't leave us to ourselves. And if the gospel means good news, that's always it. God God doesn't just set us up. This is what I want. He always says, but I'm going to be right there with you. I love the way this goes. I mean, I can almost chuckle, and I hope you can too. Zechariah, in good fashion that we can relate to, says, hey, I'm old. How in the world is that going to happen? You know excuses, yes? And Gabriel comes right back and he says, but I'm Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of the Lord. And he has sent me to tell you this. Why are you objecting, Zechariah? 
What this means is that God himself has sent a message to you. It does not matter how old you are. This is not about your power. This is about God's power. It's an amazing kind of thing. We, I think we do this all the time. I find myself doing this all the time. But, but, but. And Gabriel comes right back and says, huh, so what? I'm Gabriel. I stand before the God, for the Lord. And he sent me to give you a message. Not about sweeping all God's potentials away because we can see personal hindrances. It's about seeing who God is and what God can do. I will be with you, he says. And the, the answer, I think, from Gabriel is not just the Zechariah, it comes to all of us. Doesn't matter if you're young or old or strong or weak or sick or, or you're in good health or whatever it may be, gifted or less gifted or whatever it may be. It's not about who you are. It's about who God is and what he wants to do through us and through you. Are we getting what this is saying? God continues to look for people with the quality of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And there are lots and lots of people like that. But here's the point. We can't ever say, thank you for people like that. We need to hear Gabriel saying, Zechariah didn't think it was him. Gabriel told him otherwise. So where you are, regardless of what your family situation may be, regardless of what you have been up until that point, or up until this point, it doesn't matter. Because Gabriel is saying, but I'm Gabriel. And I stand before the Lord. And he sent me to change the world through you. Father, would you speak to us right now? Wipe away whatever excuses we may have or we may have had. Enliven in us again the vision that you have installed throughout your scriptures that this goes from generation to generation to generation. What we teach our kids matter. How we show your love to those around us matter. How we live out our devotion and our dependence upon you is of ultimate significance. On a Father's Day like this, may this force us to our knees. May it be true of us that the angel can come and say to us like he did to Zechariah, the Lord has heard 
your prayer. You will impact the generations. Amen. Friends, let's stand. We're going to sing a song of invitation. And God is speaking to us. I know he is. He has to. This text is too powerful for us to just act like he's not. Some of you may need to grab someone's hand and just say, say a prayer with me right now. Some of you may need to come and do it right here, maybe hand in hand, maybe alone. Others may want to join and say, I want to be a part of the fellowship like this. Some of you may need to make commitments right now. Things in my life must be impacted by this text. However God speaks to you, let him do his work even now.